On today's 10-Minute Mindset Power Hour, we're bringing you two conversations that will help you understand the difference between what you believe about yourself and how you show up for others. First up are two conversations with Carla Reeves, where we explore how a thought becomes a belief and how you can use those thoughts to create your own success. I am super excited to have Carla Reeves here with us today. Carla and I have had a few conversations in the past and she just brings such a great, I want to say calming energy because it's not like lull you to sleep, but it's like still focused, still productive, yet it calms you down. And I I just, I really love that. And we've had some really great conversations in the past. So I can't wait to bring her on the show. Carla's known for her compassionate, direct, and truth-telling candor. Compassionate's actually a really good word there. That's probably where that calming comes from. Executive CEOs, artists, and entrepreneurs, and busy-driven professionals rely on Carla to call out their blind spots, expand their perspective, and create a more fulfilling way of showing up to their work and their lives. Ambitious leaders have come to know her as a trusted resource to overcome personal and professional barriers that stand in their way of performing and living at their fullest potential. You can find more about her and connect with her at CarlaReeves.com. So you can grab that and her social links in the show notes. So make sure you do that. Carla, welcome to the show. Hey, Mario. Great to be here. Yeah. How's everything going with you today? Everything's good. Off to a good start. It's a little earlier here. Yeah, yeah, you're you're over on the west side of the country. I'm on the east side of the US. So we always have that little time discrepancy, but I will say your weather's much better than ours as a whole. So it's give and take, right? Well, it's about 115 here today, so is that better? <laughs> I did say as a whole because in, yes, in a few months true. we'll be in like low freezing and you'll be like it's perfect. But, that's right. But I'm super excited to have you here today because, you know, there's some things that that you do that are super interesting and I think can help a lot of people. And specifically, when we first started talking and I was like, tell me more about what you do. And you came in and said, I create mobility in people's lives. And I thought that was super interesting. So maybe you can spend a few minutes and just talk about what it looks like to create more mobility in your life. Yes, really what we, when I work with people, what we do is, you know, people want something in their life. They, they want to change something or they want to achieve something. And a lot of times we, I don't know why culturally we're, we look to our circumstances to really create change. And what I help people do is really look to change their thinking and get really creative with their thinking, leverage their thinking, learn to really think in more powerful, productive ways to change their life or their circumstances. So that's where the mobility comes in is we work on the inside to create mobility on the outside. And what I've found, that's so interesting, because what I've found, and I'd love to hear your experience on this, is that when people feel like they're not where they want to be, they're not moving fast enough, maybe they feel stuck, they always seem to want to attack what they think the problem is. But it's usually what they're attacking and what they're straining on is a symptom of the problem. And even if they do fix that, the underlying problem's still there. And that's when people feel like they're beating their head up against the wall and doing all this work and being so busy, but not getting anywhere. It'd be like going to the doctor and saying, you know, my arm hurts and then making the pain go away, but your arm really hurts because it's broken. So even though the pain's gone, it still doesn't work right. That's exactly right. One of the things that you know, I teach people is, you know, if you if you write down like thoughts lead to thoughts over and over again, lead to beliefs, which lead to actions, which lead to results. And a lot of times when people aren't getting the results 
that they want. Like you're talking about, they go back one layer to change their actions and behaviors and they'll get a little bit of traction, right? Like whether it's exercise or dieting, they get a little bit of traction, but often they report that they fall back. And the reason that they fall back is because they haven't gone all the way back to the foundation, which is your thinking and your belief system. And if there are things lodged in there that are in contradiction to what you're trying to achieve, that will just continue to rear its head and sort of trip you up and pull you off course. And so that's where we go to really create lasting, sustainable change for people. And I think that's something when you're changing your beliefs, like your core beliefs, that's not something that most people can just do on their own, right? Because if like, let's say, for instance, you're 30 years old, just for example, over the past probably 20 plus years, you've been reinforcing this certain belief within yourself, whether you're doing it consciously or subconsciously, most likely you're doing it unconsciously. And so it becomes really powerful. You just operate by that belief without even thinking because it's just there and that's who you are. That's who your identity is. But then if you say you want to change it, you can tell yourself you want to change it. But unless you work really, really hard to overcome that 20 plus years of programming and reinforcement, you're not going to really see the, the changes that you want to see, or you're going to have to work really hard, really hard to do that. That's why you need someone else to kind of help facilitate that, like a coach or someone that's trained to help you with the little things to get over that and begin to not only disrupt that pattern and that belief, but build a new belief to replace it. That's exactly right. And, you know, while I think that we can do some work on our own, I think what you're talking about is, you know, for for most of us, for myself, for sure, and most of the people I work with, there there are things that that we decided about ourselves when we were very, very young, like before our mind was even fully formed. And we latched on to that as if it is the truth. And so today, when you're 30, or however old you are, you're living inside of that that is the truth. And so some of the work I do with people is really to help them chip away at what they have labeled as truth about them and the world around them. Um, because typically it was something happened in their life and they decided something because of that about them and labeled it as truth, but it's not necessarily truth. And while we can't go back and change what happened or the circumstance, I can help people go back and really start to pull away at the thinking that they created to really start to dismantle that and shift that so that they can have more mobility and fulfillment and happiness and all of that in their life today. Yeah, I love that. And I think too, uh, to, you know, to look at this whole thing, I think a lot of people's baseline being is lower than it needs to be. Mm, That's just something totally that I've from talking to people. I think that like people say, Oh, it's a normal day or I feel normal, but there's number one, what is normal, right? And so I, I think we all have a baseline of like, if I feel this way, or if I'm doing these things, or these things are showing up, then it's, it's normal. And I think a lot of people's baseline is very low. I think a lot of people, if, if you could take that baseline and bring it up to where like, why can't your baseline be somewhere where you're happy and joyous? And you know, doing things at a higher level. And I think that there, there's something to be said there and something that I kind of picked up on just from talking to people throughout the years. I love that. I, I feel like my my mission and purpose on this planet is to really help people elevate that because you're absolutely right. And, you know, that comes from, I lived a lot of years in my life 
going through the motions, sort of on autopilot, checking the boxes that I thought were going to lead to this happy, fulfilling life. And I woke up completely empty and I knew there had to be another way. And it became my mission to really figure that out. And what I discovered is that we as humans, we create a lot of self-induced struggle and misery and suffering. And that's what I really help people shine a light on so that they can really tune that down so that they can elevate that baseline that you're talking about. And I think for just out of curiosity, that baseline, you know, that baseline way of being, because a lot of people be like, oh, I'm good. And I'm like, are you really good? Like, if you're really that good, why aren't you happier? And that's like something that I th- that that I think about a lot. And it's like, how do you begin to raise that baseline? I think it starts with a desire. You know, like back in in my life when I was going through those motions and sort of on autopilot, I looked around and honestly, I didn't see a whole lot of people doing very different than that. Um, from but but inside there was a desire or a longing or a belief that it could be better. Like I knew there had to be a different way. I didn't know how. I didn't know what that looked like. But that desire is what propelled me to like just get on get on the path of figuring out how 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 life and how living could be more fulfilling, more authentic, all of those things. So I think it starts with that desire. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that the counterintuitive, or I don't want to say counterintuitive, the paradox is a better word. The paradox of this is that when things aren't showing up on the outside the way that you want them to, or you're not experiencing things on the outside the way you want them to, you, t- you got to go to the inside to make that lasting change. And then the things on the outside begin to shift because I think it was um, Wayne Dyer that said, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And, uh, I think that that a lot of people they want to jump to what's the next tactic, what's the next thing? Like, oh, my business isn't going as as building as fast as I want it. What's I need to do more marketing, more lead gen, more prospecting, and that may or may not be true. But if you work on yourself and get yourself to a level where when you show up, you're in a better place, that's going to influence the results you're getting. So it's not necessarily you have to do more because one of the things that kind of grinds my gear, so to speak, is this whole hustle, hustle, grind, grind culture. Because I don't necessarily think you need to work harder to get better results. I think that if you align better and raise that baseline, that in and of itself will produce better results while still allowing you to enjoy life in the manner in which you desire to live it. 100%. I am, you know, I think that a lot of times we do, we try to control things on the outside in order to feel better inside. And that's what I was doing. And what I was really introduced at that time to some tools and really started shifting where I was focusing and focusing on really cleaning up my thinking, cleaning up the inside. And what I noticed is as I did that, things started to change on the outside. People like, I mean, it's kind of amazing, but this happened in my life. And when I coach clients, it's we, you know, they may come into coaching focused on shifting a relationship in their life and frustrated as heck with somebody in their life. 
but we really take all the focus off that person and put it on them and look at what are, what is their thinking? How is their thinking um, impacting the way they're showing up in that relationship? And we start doing just slightly different. And all of a sudden, that person completely surprises them. And so a lot of times we feel powerless and that's a terrible feeling. But what we want to pivot back to is the things we actually can control to shift the quality of our experience. And you're right, the tactics are great. But when you apply tactics on top of a really solid thinking foundation, then you're, you just elevate your effectiveness, your productivity and your happiness. You know, I used to, I say I'm a recovering workaholic. I mean, I used to do the go, 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 push, 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 and um, really worked at changing that in my life. And I, you know, we always hear less is more, um, but I, I couldn't agree with you more. I've experienced that in my life, that actually my business is far more successful um, in that sort of mindset and model. But that was really hard to get to. <laughs> Yeah, I would beat myself up for years and just saying like if I wasn't where I was if I wasn't where I wanted to be, it wasn't because I just started my business or I didn't have the experience or you know, I was still learning. It was because I wasn't working hard enough. So if I would just work harder, it's my fault and I would beat myself up even though I was working 12 to 15 hour days. I would say, and I was very productive during the days. I would say, "Well, it's your fault. You're not working hard enough." And that so, you know, that that kind of talk, that negative self-talk would only make me feel like I wasn't doing enough and wasn't showing up enough and wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. And then I'd feel guilty and then I'd get angry. And that's how I would show up to talk to people. And then I'd wonder why they didn't want to work with me. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. All impacts that baseline that you're talking about. Yeah. So yeah, I agree 110%. I love that. I love the idea of, you know, you really, and it's set, like, that's why it's a paradox because it feels like when you're working on yourself and you're doing that inner work, you're taking time away from the things that you should be doing. But in reality, when you're doing those things and you're working on yourself, you're actually strengthening the things that you're, that you're already doing. So those, you know, those, the prospecting, the lead gen, the marketing, all of those things will inherently get stronger and become more effective. So it's not that you necessarily need to do more of them. I mean, maybe you do if you're someone who doesn't work all that much and, you know, is, <laughs> is trying to, if there's certain things you don't want to do and you're trying to focus on other things so you don't have to do the things you know you need to do, then yeah, you need to get in and do the things you need to do. But if you're someone who's doing those things, but you're not seeing the results and it's very frustrating. It may not be that you're not working hard enough. It may just be that you're just not at that level yet that you know you're capable of. So you have to work on yourself so that when you show up, you get the results you actually want to get. So, That's exactly right. I think a lot of times when we want to elevate or grow, you know, evolve our business, we, we also have to evolve ourselves. So I think that's, that's and, it, and like you said, it does, it ripples when you take that time, it, it ripples to everybody and everything around you and everything that you're doing. And I had to remind myself of that over and over and over again, when I was taking time away, that it was fueling my everything else. Well, Carla, thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to pick up the conversation in the next episode. I want to remind people they can find you at CarlaReeves.com where they can check out everything you're up to and connect with you across all social media. Thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to picking up the conversation on the next show. Sounds great. It is my honor and privilege to bring back onto the line Carla Reeves. She's known for her compassionate, direct, and truth-telling candor. Executive CEOs, artists, entrepreneurs, and busy-driven professionals rely on her to call out their blind spots, expand their perspective, 
and create a more fulfilling way of showing up to their work and their lives. You can find more about her at CarlaReeves.com. That's her website. And also, if you missed yesterday's episode with Carla, go back, listen to that. We had a great conversation all about finding your blind spots, developing yourself, helping yourself you know, get those results you want in your life and in your business while not falling into the hustle, hustle, grind, grind trap or that mentality. It was a great conversation. So go listen to that. Get yourself caught up. We'll still be here when you get back. Carla, welcome back to the show. Hey, Mario. Great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you back. And as I said, we discussed all those great topics in the last conversation we had. In this conversation, I mean, all of that led me to thinking about something that I'm good to, I'm just going to ask this question and I want to see where it takes us and where you go from here. But from everything we talked about in the last show about developing yourself to enhance your results, to enhance your life and actually experience life the way you want to experience it. The question I have for you is, what does fulfillment mean to you? Mm, that's a great question. Fulfillment for me at one time, it was when everything lined up in my circumstances and the people in my life were behaving the way I wanted them to, right? Then I felt pretty fulfilled. But today, fulfillment is is far different. And one of the concepts that I teach inside of coaching is really this idea of alignment. And I think you might have even mentioned it when we were talking earlier. But for me, fulfillment is... Really, when I feel like I'm living in accordance with my, my values and my truth and my design, when those things are in alignment, um, I, feel, I feel content. So it's not so related to my circumstances at all anymore. It's really about showing up in the face of whatever is happening in my life in a way that feels true, in a way that feels authentic. and. Yeah. Do you live by any like spiritual beliefs? Do you have a spiritual background that you focus on or you know, participate in? I do. I do. So I've, you know, God's been in my life, gosh, since I was a really young girl and, and kind of waved in and out of Christianity and explored lots of different things. But my faith is a huge part of my life today. And for sure, one of the things that keeps me very, very grounded and centered, especially right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And the reason I ask that is because as we talked on the last episode about working on yourself and what you focus on and you know, getting yourself so you show up in your business, one of the things that happened for me anyway, and my story is, as I was working on myself and I realized I was spending all of my, like basically my free time in between calls, um, in between meetings, whatever, you know, listening to something that would help me with marketing or lead gen or prospecting or sales. And so I was doing all of that, but I didn't see my results going, growing in proportion to the amount I was learning or consuming with those things. So I got to the point where I was like, look, I know what I know works. I'm seeing some results, just not as fast. Maybe it's not the tactics. Maybe it's not those things. Maybe it's me. So that led me because I grew up, you know, in the church, I grew up with faith. I'm a Catholic and I grew up, you know, when you said Christianity. And so I started to go back to that and I started to say, you know, what if in between, if instead of focusing on learning the next marketing tactic, what if I prayed? What if I meditated? Mm -hmm. a little? What if I got back to the, those things? And so I started doing that. And funny enough, the more I focused on that in between, now I still have responsibilities. I still do, you know, I'm still focused on my business and I'm still doing the work. But by focusing on that to fill those gaps, 
my business grew faster than it mm. ever did in the past. And I refuse to believe that that's a coincidence. But not only did my business grow faster, my level of internal fulfillment and peace went up at the same time. And I think that's all correlated. And that's why I asked about you know, your spirituality and if, you know, because I think when we believe there's something bigger than ourselves and there's something else that's helping us with this co-creation process and guiding us for bigger reasons than we understand, it automatically lends us to generating better results. A thousand percent. I, um, I experienced the same thing. I was in the, you know, work, 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 uh, you know, mentality and things weren't, you know, the results weren't what I wanted. And I, you know, if you think about like a hierarchy, you know, work was sort of at the top and then, you know, my, maybe my marriage and my kids, and then, you know, then maybe God and my uh, inner prayer life. And I had to make a real shift in that hierarchy. And I, there was a point in time where I decided I'm going to put God first. And the way that I did that was I just, I start my day every day with God. And that's, that's my way of saying this is absolutely first. And I had to move my marriage up um, and my family up and then my work below that. And that shift in priority was a huge game changer. And like you said, it, it, it takes a lot of the pressure off. I had so much pressure on myself to get it all right and do it all right and not fail. And when you're, um, when you're really more focused on just being in alignment with God and being obedient to that inner calling, um, it takes a lot of the pressure off. I, I agree. I noticed the same thing that it's like, it's not just me anymore. I don't feel like I'm doing this alone and I don't yes. feel like it's all on my shoulders. And I think, you know, my personal belief is that God wants that. He wants us to to come back and give him that responsibility or that, you know, that burden for us. But we also have to be open to all the, and, you know, there's opportunity around us everywhere all the time. And a lot of times if we're so focused on ourselves and so focused on what we're doing, we miss out on what's available. But when we shift that perspective and we focus a little more on, you know, peace and God and connection and the higher powers, then we can start to notice those little things that pop up, that direction that we're being guided in. And I always believe that whatever we push, pushes back. So if you're trying to do it for you because this is the way I want it to be and you bring ego into it and it's all about me, 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 it's going to be tough because you're going to have opposing forces pushing against each other. But if you can take that ego out of it and go, okay, God, I give today to you or whatever your higher power may be, whatever your belief system is, I say, God, um, I'm looking at where are you guiding me? And then I tend to notice all of the different things. And then based on that, I can say, okay, which direct, what do I want to do? Which direction do I want to go in? And then if it feels right, I feel led there instead of trying to push to impose my own will against it. That's exactly right. And sometimes it can, uh, it, it can maybe not feel right. You know, it's right. Like, you know, this is where you're being led. And yet, you feel afraid or you don't want to go there. It feels like too big of a leap. Um, you know, that's happened to me too. But when I, you know, so many, so many times in my life before this instance, I'm going to tell you about, I had discounted that nudging, you know, internal nudging so many times and, and doubted it and discounted it and sat in it way too long or stayed in a situation that wasn't working way too long. And I had finally made a promise to myself and I guess to God that um, I was going to listen sooner and act faster. 
And this, I started feeling I was working at coaching inside of a company at that time on their team of coaches. And it was a really great gig. And I all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but over a period of time, it became very clear inside that I was, I was time to go. Like that was the message I was getting. And I didn't know why. And I didn't have any desire to go out and create my own coaching brand that wasn't on the radar. And, but I had made that promise and I listened to it and I left, you know, knowing that I could fall flat on my face. Um, but what was more important was honoring and listening to that nudge. And that was a really, you know, in hindsight, I can see now why that had to happen. But at the time, had no clue why that was happening. I love that story. I had a similar thing when I left the kitchen um, as a chef because mm. I had I was on a very good career trajectory and I you know put a lot of time, effort, energy, sweat, blood, sweat, and tears into that career. And I left and pursued coaching and these other things that I'm doing today. Like I didn't even know what I'm doing today was a thing back then. It's just that's what it led to. And I'm instant. I'm infinitely more fulfilled here doing what I'm doing than I would have been if I would have stayed on that other path. So now it may like you said, looking back, it makes sense. But I always think about that meme. I don't know if you've seen it. I've mentioned it on the show countless times. It's a meme I see go through my Facebook feed every once in a while. And it's a little girl gripping a little teddy bear. And on the other side is Jesus down on one knee, reaching his hand out saying, just trust me. And behind his back, he has a bear that's five times the size of hers. And she's holding on to it going, but I love it so much. And it just reminds me that it's like, we have these things in our lives that we hold on to and that we're afraid but a lot of the times when we feel that nudge, like you felt and like I felt when I left the, the kitchen and you left the company that you were with, when you let that go, there are bigger things we just can't, you haven't yet been revealed to us. But we have to step out in faith and trust and say, okay, you know, I trust in you and let's go do this. And That's then so true. You know what happens. That's right. And his, his visions and ideas can be so much bigger and greater, right? Like you may be attached to this vision and it seems really, really great, but then you're just surprised and wowed by something you never, ever thought, right? Yeah. And I love, happen, to use, yes. I love to use my example just from what I've experienced, because like I said, like the whole podcasting thing wasn't even a thing when I left the chef world. Mm. And so when I left, you know, I stepped into coaching, which led me into writing books, which led me into media. And then in 2011, being in the media world in radio, TV, newspaper, and magazines and live events, that's where I discovered podcasting. And, you know, that's when and it took me. It wasn't just like I was super successful at it right away in 2011. It took me, you know, this is almost this is nine years later at the time of this recording. So it was an evolution of learning it, watching the industry grow, uh, keeping the skill set sharp, talking to people, and just doing the things that when the opportunity arrives... It's funny that when an opportunity that you didn't know was coming comes, and then you look at it and go, over the last 10 years, I've been building the skill set for this. I just didn't know it. Right? Isn't that so true? Yes. <laughs> there's like, what, there's, you can follow the breadcrumbs like all the way back. Yeah. And I think that's what Martin Luther King Jr. said too in his famous quote when he said, you don't have to know that, see the whole staircase, just take the next mm -hmm. step. Right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I call those inspired nudges. Yeah, following yeah. those is so important. Yeah. And, you know, as human beings, it would be nice for us to know everything, right? We're always like, we want that certainty, I think. We want to be like, okay, well, then what's going to happen next? 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 But that's not really the way God works. He's like, here's the next thing. 
And you just have mm-hmm. to go do that. And then he's like, okay, now here's the next thing. And That's I think right. once we accept that, we can focus in on the present moment, on what we're doing today, keep our priorities aligned and straight the way you talked about how you restructure them. Because a lot of times it's not that we're not doing the right things or we don't have the right focus. It's this, our, we're misaligned. And we talk about alignment, when you align them, when you put God in the right place, family in the right place, business in the right place, and you give them the proper amount of focus and attention, that alignment leads to the results. That's exactly right. And that's fulfillment, right? <laughs> yeah. And it just yeah. it, it, and it just feels good. It's like fulfillment is like, I believe that we're all born with like this, this feeling of, of this hole in our heart. And it's like fulfillment is when we get everything in its proper order and give it its proper attention, that's mm-hmm. what fills that. Mm-hmm. And it starts with, you know, putting God first because God is the only thing that can ultimately fill that. But so many people, they try to fill it with money. They try to fill it with power. They try to fill it with titles. And that will fill it for a second. But then a day later, it's like, okay, what's next? It's empty again. I need more money. I need another car, another yacht. I need to get promoted again. I need to find a different person to, you know, to be romantic with. I need another relationship. I need something else. But if you line it up, if you're in alignment, God, family, like yours, God, family, business, that's your, that's your personal alignment. That's going to stay full because God is first. Then, you know, the family that you want to cultivate and experience here. And then your business will follow suit based on that. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. Love it. <laughs> well, Carla, thank you so much for everything. I've loved our, these conversations. We got a little deep on the second episode and I like it. I like to go I there. like it too. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. And I could tell. And I want to tell everyone they can find you at CarlaReeves.com. That's your website for all your coaching, everything else that you're doing, all the great stuff that you offer. Uh, you also have a course on there, Master Your Time, which I think is something that people should look into. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, well, I'll just say that that really got created out of working with people for a lot of years and just noticing that time is such a barrier and an excuse to people being fulfilled and happiness and, um, you know, just a barrier to doing the things that they really want to do, the things that really matter. And I wanted to take a look at, you know, a lot of times we go to those tips and tactics and, you know, productivity hacks for, for managing our time better. And if we could just get better and faster and more efficient is sort of what we're taught to do. And I really see it as a really a more inside out way. So that course is about really learning to manage your time from the inside out. It's about changing your thinking when it comes to time and changing your relationship to time and really building that solid foundation to then apply the strategies on top of to create really sustainable change in the way that you spend your time so that you can really live in a way that you have those things lined up in a way that, you know, is according to your design. I love it. Well, I think that's great because I think mastering your time is something we talked about in the past couple of episodes with, you know, thinking I need to do more, I need to do more. And then your time gets all shifted to where you're ignoring the things that are really important because you're only focused on these things and then you feel overwhelmed and stressed because you're putting in all this time, not getting the results, not feeling that fulfillment, and then everything's out of whack. So by mastering your time and being able to be productive, as you explained, that will lead to you figuring it all out and not only achieving the results, but doing it in a fulfilling way. That's right. So, and letting go with, a lot of, a lot yeah. of the um, places where you're spending energy and time that are not productive. And then you harness a whole bunch of energy that you can put into other more fulfilling things. Yeah. 
for sure. Carla, thank you so much. CarlaReeves.com. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Likewise. Next up are conversations with Greg Faxon, a marketing expert for coaches who has identified three main ways coaches connect with others and how you can use this information to create a marketing plan that feels intuitive and purposeful. I'm super excited to have Greg Faxon here with us today. Greg and I had a conversation not so long ago, and a lot of the things that he does and is passionate about are very similar to the things that I'm also passionate about. And we talked a little bit about things just kind of popping up that we focus on. And he's like the perfect example of that when it comes to clarity, when it comes to content, when it comes to online business, we're very, very similar wavelength. Greg, what he does is he helps coaches fill their client roster so that they can increase their income each and every month. His mission is to provide honest sales and marketing training in an industry where it seems like you have to choose between making money and keeping your integrity as a coach. He's the author of Don't Let the Fear Win, How to Get Out of Your Own Way and Grow Your Own Business fast. He has conducted thousands of coaching sessions with his clients and has been featured on Forbes.com, Business Insider, and Fizzle. You can get free marketing advice through his website and just learn more about him and connect with him, which is gregfaxon.com. You can get that link in the show notes along with all his social links. So go there and connect with him. Greg, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Yeah, man, it's fun. This is fun. And I, I loved our first conversation. So maybe we could just kind of pick up there and talk a little bit about one of the things that stood out for me that you mentioned that I thought was super insightful is that you've identified three different types of coaches. Yeah, man, the three coaching archetypes. So to, to, to share a story here is as I was building my own coaching business, I, I always struggled when I would invest in a program and it was kind of like, this is the best way to get clients or this is the best way to market your business. And it was very hit or miss. Like sometimes it would resonate with me. It would work really well. And sometimes it was like, no matter how hard I worked, it just didn't seem to get traction for me. Yet I would see other people in the program and they were killing it with that. So again, I mean, it could be webinar, Facebook ads, long form blog posts, video, Instagram. So you you name it. And I was also, as I started working with more coaches, helping them get clients, I noticed the same theme for them. Like things that would work really well for me didn't always work well for them. And then we do another thing and it was like effortless. They loved it. They were very consistent with their marketing. A lot of the people who come to me often, marketing sort of feels like a necessary evil to them at first. They're like, what I really want to do is just coach, change lives, do the work. And, uh, and marketing feels like a chore. So part of what we have to do is have it feel like marketing is actually part of the impact they get to make, feels natural, and it's wired into their day. It's, it's something that they're not uh, having to drag themselves out of bed and force themselves to do. And when I looked at my experience and the experience of my clients, I realized, well, you really have to match the personality and the strengths of the coach to whatever the marketing strategy uh, they're using is. Otherwise, it just won't work that well. And around the same time, I was reading a book called The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. He talked about three different types of people who help ideas spread. And there was the connector, the maven, and the salesman, he said, I just say salesperson. And when I thought about it, I was like, you know what, making ideas spread, that's kind of what marketing is in a way. And as I was reading, I was like, I wonder if I could apply this framework to helping coaches get clients. And so I'll briefly explain the three different, I call them coaching archetypes, is that when I apply them to marketing or coaching business, and what, how to know which one you are. And I, I also have a quiz on my website, so I can direct you guys to that after. But 
most most importantly, like what strategies work best for which type? And Let when me you ask know you your question real quick, if you don't yeah. mind, these out of these three archetypes, as we're listening and trying to decide or trying to identify ourselves, is this something that once we become competent in or that we understand or cognizant in that we can choose which archetype to become, or is it something that's innate in you that you just gravitate towards a certain one? What I've found is that people typically have one primary archetype and it doesn't change. So not something to aspire to, but something that you're going to see in yourself. Got it. And it's a, it's a good point to make as well. As you're listening, you'll probably see parts of yourself in different types, which is okay. It's just important to know your primary so that you can start to master those one to two marketing strategies. Because we both know like you don't need a million marketing strategies. You just need to get really good at one or two. Right, so it'll help you narrow the field of options. So first is the connector. So connectors are good at uh, networking. They like just being in conversation with people. They're very curious. Like Mario, you strike me as a connector, you know. And so, like a great strategy for a connector would be something like an interview podcast, right? Now, a bad strategy for a connector is something where you're just alone, getting no feedback, no connection. You're just creating. Like for me, I'm not a connector. I like to just create these epic blog posts, like how to things. But for the, my connector clients, if they do that, they're not going to be consistent with it because they're not getting that connection throughout the process. And even when they send out that content, they may not get that much connection, even if it's benefiting people and even if it gets some clients. So connectors, examples of connectors, I would say are like Lewis Howes. When you look at how he's built his platform, he's probably a connector, right? He's very charismatic. He brings guests on. That podcast is his hub. Everything really feeds through that. Um, Oprah is another example of a connector. Right. She has thought leadership, but really how she built her credibility was being a great interviewer. Okay. Connectors often have, have networks, have people who already trust them, who already know, like, and trust them. And they're missing out if they don't know how to tap into that warm network, at least at first in the business and really maximize that. So the people they know and their second degree connections who can send them referrals. So interview podcasts, referrals even like live events or interacting in Facebook groups, those are good for connectors because they like to connect. Okay. So that's the first archetype. Does that make sense? Any questions that on makes, that? It makes, com- makes complete sense. And it, it could even be like, I don't think the platform, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think the platform has much to do with it because, you know, blogging, for instance, you could do an interview style blog, right? So, I mean, as long as you have that interaction with someone else in the process of creating the content, that seems to me what that archetype is. Yeah, that's well said. And so it's the question is, am I using that gift of being a connector? So you might do a roundup post where you're reaching out to 27 experts or something versus the thought leadership you create. That's a great point. So second archetype is the maven. Okay, and mavens are like natural teachers. So they are kind of the thought leaders. They like to uh, create frameworks in their head, like mental models, ways of teaching things and then share it with people. And so things that work well for connectors are, um, if I would have a podcast, it wouldn't be necessarily an interview podcast, it would be where I was teaching, right, going really in depth on a topic. Same with blog posts, like you said, channel is less important. And this even translates to how you might work with clients. For example, connectors tend to be like the peer coaches, a lot of the connectors. So they like to really ask questions, listen, uh, how we kind of view coaching naturally. For teachers, for me, I do do some one-on-one coaching. But for me, like I love running courses and leading trainings and stuff because that's the way I like to engage. Okay, So that's the biggest thing for Mavens is, am I teaching? Am I distilling down my ideas and sharing them with people in a way that's step-by-step and actionable? Is that how you identify? 
Yeah, I'm a maven for sure. Yeah. So so the so if I have if my whole strategy is based on referrals, networking, for example, like that wouldn't work that well for me because it doesn't really it doesn't get me going. Um, third archetype is salespeople. So salespeople are those naturally charismatic people who just have an energy. They have a vibe that people want to be around. And whenever they start talking about a, an idea or something they want to do, like people instantly get on board. Like they'll be the person who's like, all right, let's go, let's go out on the boat this weekend. And everyone's like, all right, that sounds fun. Like, let's do that. They're sold on the idea. And so if you're a salesperson, this is where channel can make a difference. If you're a salesperson, I'd like to see you on video, ideally live, or even better would be like in-person speaking. So like the closer we can get people to your natural energy and your vibe, the better, because that's one of your real strengths. And people just feel motivated by you. They feel excited, inspired by you. So make sure when you're marketing, you're leveraging strategies that allow you to bring your personality, bring your charisma through. That's typically what what works best for salespeople. So as someone who's listening to this and try and identifying, I'm sure that just by hearing your, because you explained them re- brilliantly, I'm sure people can kind of get a feel for which one, which category they fall into. But do you have something that is like a, um, like a questionnaire or something that can guide people? Or is it something you typically do with clients like as a one-on-one or a pre, uh, pre-created course? So I have a free quiz. It's at gregfaxon.com slash quiz. It's five questions. It takes about two minutes. And I've actually found that does a better job diagnosing than sometimes I can do. Like sometimes I'll be on the phone with a client and I'm like, you should just take the quiz for so that we know for sure, because that's just going to work way better. So it tends to be very accurate. What I found in my audience, at least, is that um, the, the number one result tends to be connector. Number two result tends to be maven. And number three tends to be salesperson in that order in terms of how people identify. So they're relatively evenly distributed, but that's the most common setups that I see. And I'd recommend if you're not quite sure, just take the quiz. I also have like a few emails that follow up and say, hey, based on your archetype, here's some more detailed strategies. And that's helpful for people as well. So once they find out the archetype, that, t- that kind of leads into what activities they should be doing to, to stay motivated, to create the best content, to attract people to them. And then from those activities, you can figure out what platform best suits those activities to kind of distribute it, to you know get it out to people, to really create that awareness and authority in the space. Is that kind of the, the model? That is. And I will also add platforms partially based on where are your people, you know? So it's, it, if, if you have multiple platforms that could suit your archetype, whatever your strategy is, um, I would recommend you narrow it down based on where are my, my ideal clients? Are they on this platform? Are they spending time there? Can I reach them with this platform? Yeah, that's that's a really great point. And I think the other thing is too, you know, once you know, this is super valuable for people to know where their strengths are and how to really play. Because I'm I'm a big believer that you focus in on your strengths and you really work on those. Because I hear people a lot say, you know, strengthen your weaknesses, work on the things you're not great at. But when you do that, if you have a weakness, you can really only get, if you get really good at your weakness, you'll probably still only be average. But if you get really good at something you're already good at, you can get exceptional. And so I think that that's something that's that's really good to be able to know where your strengths are so you can focus there. Because as you said, I've taken a lot of those programs in the past too. They're marketing tactic based that work. And my thing is, I always say all of those programs that are available, I'm not gonna say all, but I would say, a good majority of them work. They just don't work for everyone. 
And so that's where this is very, it, it, you know, it's, this is a huge part of it. But I also think mindset is a huge part of it too. It's like, what phase of your business are you in? And are you applying strategies that match the phase that you're currently in? Yeah, that's a great point. And just sequence, you know what I mean, is so important. And it plays into what you were saying about weaknesses too. It's like, when you have options that all can accomplish the same goal, like, all right, I want to get awareness for my potential clients. There's lots of options. Playing to your strengths is really helpful. Now, there's some areas of your business where you might just, there, you might just be half something you have to do. Like with sales, like I, I don't care if it's a weakness or a strength. Like if you're in a client-based business, when you, you're going to have to do that for a little while, right? You're probably not going to have funding or something where you're just bringing on advisors or salespeople. So you can just become competent. And if you're great at marketing, you can kind of let that do more of the legwork, you know, if that makes it easier. But you're going to have to learn to have a sales conversation that converts a client. What I've found when it comes to that is it's not something you're right in the coaching space specifically. It's really typically not something that most coaches are excited about is doing the actual sales. Like, in fact, when I talk to people about scaling that are in the coaching space, typically the number one thing they want to bring on first is a salesperson. They want to just offload that activity. But what I've also found is no matter how uncomfortable they are with it at first, as they fall into more comfortability with it from repetition and from doing it and having some success, even when they bring on a salesperson, they're still more effective than that salesperson, even if that salesperson is more skilled, just because it's their business. That makes a huge difference from the numbers that I've seen. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you're going to get a drop even with the best salesperson. Yeah. So I think that, you know, having those activities and like you said, but I, I, with sales, you don't want to do it. A lot of people don't want to do it. They don't feel comfortable having those conversations, but that's like the lifeblood. That's one of the most important pieces of a business because if you don't have clients, you don't have a business. And really, the, sh- the fastest way from point A to point B when it comes to sales is to have conversations with people. So I yeah. mean, there are certain things that supersede all other things. Yeah, we were talking about sequence. I mean, sales is basically the first thing to focus on. You know, because a lot of people get excited about marketing and stuff, but, and yeah, you have to have, you have to get in front of people to have conversations, but usually a lot of those people are going to start in your warm network anyway. So you can just get on, you just start getting on calls and just build a process for those conversations. That ta- that takes you pretty far. That takes you pretty far. And like you said, without that, you know, nothing, nothing else really works. Doesn't matter how nice your website is, you know. Just you don't have clients. So, and to to that point, to pick up on the next show, I think we can talk a little bit about. It doesn't matter that what you said. It doesn't matter, but it doesn't also matter how big your audience is. It doesn't matter how many people, because I hear I see so many people who are like, "Oh, if I just have you know twenty thousand followers on LinkedIn, I'll never run out of clients." And you know as well as I do that nothing's further from the truth. So I think that's something else. When that I think that plays into the whole clarity and um, actually execution that you're doing within your business. Because if you create a following based on algorithms and cheat codes and all those types of things, you can get a lot of numbers. It's not hard to get people to click follow button, but it's hard to get them interested in what you're doing. And it's hard, even harder to convert them once they are interested. And that's where the rubber meets the road. I'd rather have someone who has a sales process and is just making sure they're in conversations, even if they have no following, no social media account, that person's always gonna be more successful. I call it like the broke celebrity, like the, the dude, you know, or the female with like a million followers, but they're just not converting it at all. 
So I love that. I've never given it a title, but the broke celebrity, that's the, that's perfect. I'm going to, I, I may steal that and use that or borrow it. I should say, oh, but, yeah. um, Greg, thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to pick up the conversation on the next episode. I want to remind people they can find you gregfaxon.com and they can also go there and take the quiz to figure out which coaching archetype they are. I think that's super valuable. So thank you so much. And I can't wait to speak to you on the next show. Look forward to it. It is my honor and privilege to bring back onto the line Greg Faxon. And uh, if you missed yesterday's episode, go back and listen to that. We had a great conversation. He talked about the three different types, archetypes of coaches. And it was just, it was full of great information. And we have even more coming to you today. He is the only business coach that provides honest sales and marketing training specifically for coaches. And he helps clients significantly increase their income without sacrificing their integrity, which is super big to me because I'm very, very big on integrity. And I believe that making an impact is the surefire way to keep yourself excited, to do what you're meant to do, and to really maximize your results. And that kind of goes right along with what Greg believes. You can find more about him at gregfaxon.com. So go there, check him out. Greg, welcome back to the show, man. We're back, baby. We're back. I know we just had a nice conversation that I wish I would have recorded, but we're going to try to kind of to go down that path again because it was super good stuff. And we were just talking in between shows about it started with clarity because that to me is something that I work with a lot of clients on. And to me was one of the most difficult things because it's, it's not a short process. It's not something that you can just sit down and go, okay, here's exactly what I do. I mean, it usually takes a lot of thought, a lot of empathy and a lot of testing to know what specific problem do I solve and who specifically do I solve it for? It's very much like the how do I find my life purpose or like my dream job type question in terms of how I think people interact with it, which is like what we want to do is like, I'm just going to lock myself in the room for 24 hours journal. I'm going to come out with the answer. And obviously, you know, clarity comes through taking action to a certain extent. Right. And so I think that's like Murray Forleo's big thing, like clarities comes through action, which I agree with. And I also have another uh, colleague, Tad Hargrave, and he gives this just way of thinking about it that I really like. He said, you can probably get about 70% clear with who you want to serve, what you want to do. The other 30% is going to come from working with people, putting your messaging out there. And I think that's really helpful for people to think about is like, yes, we there's some strategy we can do. We can do something about it. But you also have to get out there and get in conversations and be selling. The thing I like to say all the time is action creates, creates insight. Because when you're taking action towards something, that doesn't mean like, for me, the story of my life has been, I've had the, the ability, and I've reverse engineered this to figure it out, but I've had the ability to take action towards the things that I want, specific outcomes I want to achieve. But I'm not so tied to those specific outcomes that I beat my head against the wall and miss everything else. So I'm equally focused and taking action, but simultaneously open to all the possibilities and opportunities that arise around me. I don't go too far off the beaten path that it negates everything I just did, but I'm not afraid to test things and try things and see where they lead. And me sitting in this chair right now, having this conversation with you is proof of that. Because if you'd asked me 10 years ago where I thought I'd be, I'd say opening my fifth restaurant, building my restaurant empire as a chef. But I didn't even know what I'm doing right now as a thing. I didn't even know this existed. But because different things led to different things and I wasn't afraid to go explore them, it led me here. And I can say unequivocally that where I sit today is much more fulfilling than anything else I could have done. And it's just like God led me here. Yeah. So I think there's an element of trust for sure. I think about that. There's a phrase like high intention, low attachment. You know, having that, setting that goal or setting that intention 
but not being so attached. Like my whole self-worth is dependent on it working out the exact way I would have thought that it was going to work out. Yeah. It takes some humility too, because you have to say like, who says that my way is the best way? Who says that my ideal outcome is the best thing? Maybe there's something better that could come from this and maybe that opportunity shows up. And so I think that a lot of people that I've worked with, a lot of coaches that I've seen, they get to this space where they want it so bad and they have this specific image in their mind and they're not willing to be flexible around that image. And so they beat their head against the wall metaphorically trying to make that happen and almost like trying to fit the square peg in the round hole. And it just, it's painful. (laughs) Yeah, I can, I hear that. I've definitely seen that as well. Probably done it myself. Oh yeah, I mean, we've done it. We've all done it in the past. And I think that's one of the reasons why I really believe coaches need coaches. Because when you get to that point, you need that accountability and that support to say, hey, what else is happening? What kind of feedback are you getting? And that's and this like leads into a brilliant point that you made in one of our previous conversations where you said like a lot of people will go to their audience and ask them like what do you and that's a common thing in the business go to your audience see what they want. But if your audience isn't curated of a specific type of potential client or a specific type of person, the feedback you get from them may not be the best feedback to follow. Yeah, everyone what everyone wants to niche is like the terms get broader and broader and more and more amorphous so that it doesn't leave anyone out. You know what I mean? Like I, I know when I was, when I started narrowing after the first two or three years of my business to just serving coaches, I was really uncomfortable. Cause I was like, I feel like there's a lot of coaches who work with coaches. It feels very meta and I was really uncomfortable to do it. And so I tried to be like, all right, maybe it's service-based business owners, or maybe it's just business owners. And I did get broader and broader and broader. And meanwhile, I was seeing, wow, this thing's really getting traction. What if I could just speak to this specific type of person? And so there's a place to survey. You know, there's a time to do that. But I think that you need to start off at least choosing a category. Like Eben Pagan talks about like the mega niches. So like there's like health and fitness, like love and relationships or marriage, parenting. And then there's like career, business, finance. So like those three things, like your health, your wealth, your relationships. I think if you could just get into one of those and just realize it's a channel, like everyone, I know we all want to work with clients on lots of different transformational stuff, but just realize like people are going to actually lay down money when there's a specific thing going on that doesn't feel good or a big goal that they have. So I think starting there at the very least is going to give you a huge leg up in, in beginning to narrow, because if you start completely broad, it's almost hard to go anywhere from there. And that goes back to that clarity, right? Because if you're confused or not super clear on who you're messaging to or who you're creating content for or who you're creating conversations with, you're going to get this whole group of eclectic people and the message is going to end up being confusing. It's going to get really mixed up and you're not going to, and then you're not going to know what problem you solve or how you're going to do it. And then nobody's going to win. Even if, even if you get clients that way, which some people do, the results typically aren't that great because there's so much confusion in the process. Yeah. And there's, I'll give you two really easy ways to just identify your niche. So just, we can get really tactical for people. So number one is if you have not worked with paid clients before. Okay. So this is the option. If you haven't really worked with paid clients that you would consider like, these are people I might want to have more of this type of client. So just the, the cheat code is just go back to a former version of yourself. What's a time in your life where you were in, you had a, big desire or you had pain around something and something wasn't working 
And you would have hired future you just knowing what you know now to just figure shit out. You were, you would be willing to pay whatever you want your prices to be as a coach. Back then you would have been willing to pay to just get it handled. So that's going to, if you create content around that and just you start working on that, that's going to be a, a fast track to clarity. Option B is if you have worked with paid clients. If you have worked with paid clients, we talked about this a bit but when I didn't realize we were recording. So I'm, I'll be probably be even more concise now. Um, there's a little framework I use to go and do a little client inventory, write down their names, the people who have paid you the rate you want to be paid um, or you know your highest rate yet, whatever it is. And I use the acronym STAR, STAR clients. So you want to look for the people who are similar to you. That's the S. And these are people who you'll have empathy for. You'll relate to their journey. Okay. The T is testimonials. So people look at people who have left really good reviews, testimonials. They were great case studies and success stories. A is they're able to pay. So people who, if you're worked with a client for free, that might not be the best person to multiply because you want obviously people who can, can afford to hire coaches. And then R is ready to start. So people who are just, they didn't delay. They, it wasn't like a, maybe sometime I'll do this there. That was a priority for them to get it handled. It was like a bleeding neck issue where they were like, yep. Like I was, I was talking about like cell surgery, not prevention when you're a coach. So like we all want to sell prevention because we get that that's important, but there's a reason why our medical system uh, pays surgeons more than people who help with prevention. So you can complain about it. Like as Jim Rohn would say, like, I wouldn't take that class of figuring out like why that is. Let's just accept it as business people. And uh, that's what the ready to start speaks to like people who like, they, they need this fixed now. That's going to be typically the, the clients you want to multiply. So when you do that inventory, you find those star clients. Now we can just focus on like, let's speak to Julie. If Julie was our star client. Like, let's just create content for her. We'll think about her when we're creating our stuff and we want to multiply those people. Well, I think it's the urgency factor, right? When it comes to like, why do surgeons get paid more than the prevention? Because when you have that issue and you need that surgery or you're going to die, how, you're, you'll give as much money as you have if that's the difference between life and death. But if someone comes to you and is like, hey, you don't have this problem yet, but let's make sure you don't have it. You're like, well, who says I'm going to get it anyway, right? So that's when it's yeah. like, eh, I'll deal with it when it gets here. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, good or bad. That's just the way a lot of people think. It's like, yeah, I'll do some things for prevention. But we always, I think a lot of people too have this belief that I know it's a thing, but it'll never happen to me. And I think that's a part of it if they don't have the problem. And that's why I think I see a lot of, or not a lot of, but a handful of coaches that I've talked to in the past who are trying to create a problem and then educate the market about this problem. So that I'll, I'll give you an example. One that I've seen is um, your business will explode if you lose 30 pounds. And it's like, maybe they're like, well, you have more energy, you'll be lighter, you'll show up better. And that may be true. But I don't think people who are struggling in business right now wake up in the morning going, if I could only lose this 30 pounds, I would have 10 new clients. It's just not a problem that they think they have or equate to what they want to receive. So educating the market about that becomes a really hard thing to do just to get to the point where you may get a conversion. Yeah, well, and also the problem you run into that then is the, the marketing problem or the business problem trumps the fitness problem. So they're going to send their funds to the more urgent problem. And it probably is the more urgent, probably is the more direct issue. I can, I can have someone make money in a faster way than what they would get from losing weight. Right. So one of the things that, that I look at, and I've heard this from a mentor in the past, and I'd love to hear your take on it, is that you know, regardless of it, when you can 
identify with a client, if you can explain their problem better than they can, they'll automatically trust you to help them fix it because you get it. That's where extreme empathy comes into play, I think, because they use the example of if you woke up with this like weird, painful mark on your arm, you've never seen it before. There's no, nothing on the internet about it. But you go outside and you're walking down the street, maybe you're headed to the ER or wherever, and you look and there's someone walking next to you with that same mark, but it's starting to get better. You're going to stop and be like, hey, what is that? And what did you do to make it better? You're not going to say, are you a doctor? Did you do this? You're just going to say, what did you do? And then the chances of you trying that are probably fairly good. (laughs) And that doesn't go by any logic whatsoever, but that's how people think. So when you find someone who has the same problem, or if you can explain their problem to them in more detail or just as good as they're experiencing it, that typically leads to them going, well, let's do this. Yeah. And that's, empathy is so important. And I'll add to this by saying I have a lot of clients who come to me and because they're coaches and they want to be positive and goal focused, they're like, well, I don't really want to speak to the problem or the pain. It just feels negative, right? It just feels like negative or maybe even feels manipulative to them. And the reality is most of us take action when things are painful. Most of us take action when there's a problem to solve. And when you recognize it, and I'll ask these coaches, I'm like, you know, whether it was hiring me or another thing that happened or this other area of your life, like, be honest, even you as a coach, like you often, when you actually get on top of stuff, it's like, all right, I can't ignore this anymore. And so speaking to the problem isn't negative or manipulative. It's simply meeting people where they are. If you're focused on all the positive things, they could be like, they're not there yet. They're just focused on like, let me just fix this. And so I think it's important to recognize that as empathy because it's, it's really what it is. Yeah. And as a coach, you, you're helping people solve problems. So you need to speak to the problems. Just like, you know, when you go to see a doctor, that's what they do. They help you get better. Or if you're just going for a checkup, I mean, again, you're making sure nothing's wrong. But again, the checkup's way less expensive than the surgery, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, we're all good. No problems here. Yeah. No, I'm good. All right, cool. Bye. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's that getting clarity so you can identify specific problems and speak to them and connect with someone at that level and then help them solve it. And I think that's the formula, right? I would agree. Yeah, I would agree is you get that you get enough clarity to take action, whether it's the content, having sales calls, whatever it is. And then that last percent is going to come from you refining from there after you've taken action. And I have actually, I have a... um because we're talking sort of theoretically, I also have a a five-day challenge on like nailing your niche. So if people go to, man, what is it called? The nichechallenge.com. You can verify that for me. But the nichechallenge.com, that breaks down, like that'll get you to the 70% clarity. You know, if you're like, all right, I'm bought in on the idea, I need to solve a problem and I need to know, just tell me what to do. That'll be a quick way to say, let's get you relatively clear so you can actually start taking action confidently on what the niche is. And clarity is so valuable because when you just, what you just said there, taking action confidently, when you have clarity, it changes the way you show up. It changes your posture, your languaging, because now you're not talking to everyone. You're talking to someone specific about ideas and things that are real to them. And now you have more confidence because you know what you're doing. Like when the surgeon comes in and knows, hey, I'm doing a knee replacement, 
they know what they're doing. If they would come in and they're like, well, we're not sure what surgery they're do- you're going to be doing, but just go figure it just out. poke around. Yeah. Like who's going to sign up for that, right? <laughs> not comforting. Exactly. So, I mean, that confidence, people talk, I hear it all the time in the coaching space. And it's one of the hottest topics on my podcast is confidence. But I think confidence comes with clarity. Yeah. And I think clarity comes with action. So like at the end of the day, if you're, if you're taking action to put yourself out there and you're not just kind of creatively avoiding on like your logo, you eventually figure it out. You know, we can get more strategic, we can shortcut it, but I'd always rather have someone just take action than maybe trying to form the perfect amount of clarity without putting themselves out there. I agree. Like, like we said, action leads to insight. I really believe that. And it helps you figure in that feedback that people give you when you're talking to them, you learn so much and it's a process and you just have to put yourself out there and go through it. And eventually if you're persistent, but you're still flexible on the approach, you'll figure it out and you'll break through. Well, Greg, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate everything that you shared. I love what you're doing uh, with clients. I want to remind people, gregfaxon.com is where they can go and find you and you know the coaching archetypes, finding your niche, finding clients. I mean, your blog is killer. So people should definitely go check that out. That's like your thing. You're a master at blogging of uh, irrelevant topics. Your content is off the charts. So thank you so much. And uh, let's definitely talk again soon. Thanks, Mario. Thank you for joining us on today's 10-Minute Mindset Power Hour. Did you have an aha moment? Leave a review and tell us more. Or DM us on our LinkedIn business page, 10-Minute Mindset. See you next time.